One of the things to know about me is that I am a, a fan of horror movies. I'm not obsessed, mind you, but at certain times when I'm in a certain mood, I think it's fun to put on a film that gets the adrenaline pumping and evokes a, just a little bit of fear. In pre-COVID times, I would occasionally go to see a horror movie all by myself in the middle of the day. And usually when I did, the theater would be empty or almost empty. And there I would be all by myself in a large, dark, empty room with terror emerging on the screen. On the occasions when the film was well made, I would, I would leave the theater into broad daylight with a lingering sense of dread, a sense of dread that the world was just a bit more ominous and sinister than the commercial setting of the mall movie theater could ever realize. Indeed, I would have the sense that the mall was meant to hide and obscure the menacing reality in which we live. My favorite films are not usually the slasher films with the, the high body counts and gore, but rather the more psychological and supernatural films. Indeed, the, the horror movies I find most effective involve avenging ghosts or possessing demons. The films involve malevolent forces that hide in the shadows and toy with helpless human beings only to reveal the, the full extent of their malicious power at the end of the film. Often, the people in these movies don't make it to the end and are overwhelmed by evil. Now, I imagine some of you don't share my affection for horror movies and I can't blame you, but I am not alone in my appreciation. Obviously, these films are big business and they make money because they speak to something in our cultural psyche. Many of the people who watch these movies don't actually believe in literal ghosts or demons. And yet, they find the movies terrifying and compelling nonetheless. And I think it is so in part because these movies speak to the experience of being captured by dehumanizing and malicious forces that, that prey on human beings. The movies speak to the, the powers at work in our world that are bigger than us, that corrupt our souls and consume the ones we love. These films point to the ways in which our, our best intentions are often perverted and used against us. They, they point to evil at work in our systems and our structures. We do live in a world of, of child poverty and environmental degradation, of police brutality and white supremacy and, and rape culture. We could become gripped by addiction or depression or illness. We can and must understand these things in terms of class and race and gender. And we can and must understand these things in terms of human choices and human agency of natural forces and biology. And yet, and yet there's always an element of these realities that is, that is bigger 
than us, bigger than our choices, bigger than the people who would perpetuate or be victimized by these realities. There's always an element of us all being trapped and ensnared in ways of being and operating. There is a, a powerlessness that we all experience to a, a greater or lesser extent in the face of, of dehumanizing systems and structures, in the face of evil. The New Testament speaks of this reality in various and different ways. St. Paul speaks of powers and principalities, of, of evil as a, as a cosmic power that binds and enslaves human beings as a whole. The Gospel of John has, has similar views as Paul's and, and doesn't have a, an instance where Jesus exercises a demon from an individual, but instead Jesus operates on a more cosmic level. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the book of Acts all have instances where Jesus or the apostles exercise unclean spirits or demons from individuals. These sources portray unholy spirits as a counterpart to the Holy Spirit. These malicious spirits operate under the control of the Prince of Evil, who is variously called Satan or Beelzebul or the devil. This was not an uncommon worldview at the time for, for both Jews and for Gentiles, that these spirits, evil spirits, would be at work in the world. In today's gospel lesson, we have Jesus entering the synagogue to teach on the Sabbath. He is wowing and exciting the crowd with what he has to say. When out of nowhere, very much in the, the jump scare fashion of a horror movie, comes a man who is possessed by an unclean spirit. The demon who, who controls this man tries to gain the upper hand on Jesus by naming Jesus by name and identifying him as the Holy One of God. And yet Jesus casts out the demon with a simple word. He rebukes the demon and says, be silent and come out of him. And with that, the man is made whole the force that once dominated his life has been cast down. Now, each of the four Gospels begins in their own way, and each lifts up different elements of Jesus and his ministry in order to speak to Jesus' significance. So, for example, in Matthew, Jesus basically begins his public ministry with the Sermon on the Mount, and in Luke, Jesus returns to Nazareth and announces the fulfillment of the words of Isaiah, declaring good news to the poor and release to the captives. In John, Jesus provides wine at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. But here, in Mark's gospel, just after declaring the coming of God's reign and the calling of his first disciples, we see Jesus cast out this unclean spirit. Here is Mark's way of saying that the, the primary meaning of Jesus's ministry is the defeat of the evil forces in this world that dehumanize and degrade us. Mark declares here that Jesus's ultimate mission and purpose is to liberate us from the powers that corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. 
we may not occupy the worldview and story world of antiquity, and nor should we want to do so. We may or may not believe in literal demons or in the personification of evil in the person of Satan. But we do know, we do experience the power of evil in our world. We know that there are forces that, that strip our lives of dignity, that chew us up and spit us out. We know the waste of human potential and we see the lack of human flourishing. We see the destruction of the natural environment. What Jesus has to reveal to us this morning is that, that this power of evil is not the last word. What Jesus has to reveal to us is that the coming of God's reign means the defeat of evil powers. Jesus liberates us from their control. With the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has already defeated the power of evil. And we are meant and intended to live lives freed from the power of evil. And yet, we know that evil still controls so much and that we live our lives waiting in hope for the ultimate victory that has not yet fully emerged. But as we wait in hope, we are called to walk in hope. We are meant to, to share the good news of humanity's liberation. We are meant to be agents of healing and reconciliation. And as we shall see, as we continue to read Mark's gospel, Jesus calls his disciples so that they can share in Jesus's work. Jesus calls disciples so that they can declare the good news of the coming of God's kingdom and thus the defeat of evil. Jesus calls disciples so that even they can cast out demons in his name. On the day of our annual meeting, we should remember that we are meant to be a community that bears witness to God's kingdom and Jesus' power over evil. We exist for this mission, to reveal God's kingdom. It is for this very reason that we exist, so that we can be a sign and symbol of God's kingdom, so that we can point with our lives, with our work, with our community, to God's coming reign the power of evil. Jesus declares, be silent and come out of them. For indeed, the promise, God's promise, is that evil will ultimately be cast down, that evil's control will be no more. For indeed, God reigns, God's kingdom is coming. And God, God will never let us go. Amen.